Red Rock Lit Fest Writers Read. Hi, welcome. Today I'm with writer David Townsend. David is a fourth generation Swampscott resident. His career is in international communications policy and economics. This has taken him around the world to more than 85 countries. He also has a deep interest in the history of rock and roll music, which is the topic of his first book, Rock and Roll and War and Peace. David's current interest focuses on both hiking in nature and local history. His most recent book is Retracing Steps and Exploration of Nature and History on the Massachusetts North Shore. Hi, David. How Hi. are you? I'm great. I'm happy I'm here and uh, happy that you're doing th these uh, podcasts and that we're really getting in touch with the, the literary uh, people of Swampscott. Unbelievable how many of you guys there are. <laughs> it's so cool. Okay, now before you begin your reading and telling us about your book, I have three questions for you about writing. All right. First one, do you prefer pen or keyboard when you write? Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting question because I, I have two kinds or categories of writing. I write for my work a lot. Uh, reports and whatever <clears throat> and I virtually always write those on a keyboard on the computer when I write my my personal stuff my creative stuff I virtually always start in a notebook with a pen uh, and and that's a habit that goes back to youth and childhood and I've always enjoyed writing I have hundreds of notebooks and journals um, and then I will type from the notebook into the computer and make edits on the computer but the starting point is is written by hand is just in that little notebook yeah Ooh, okay and are you a daytime or a nighttime writer uh, I am I'm a writer virtually any time that I can kind of find uh, some time and some inspiration the advantage of having the notebooks is I bring them with me anywhere they're they're like a security blanket so I, I'll go out for a drive or a hike, uh, or I'll be at a restaurant or whatever, and I'll have my notebook, and I'll, something will occur to me, or I'll want to just open it up and work on what I'm on. Uh, so I'll do it there. I'll put it next to my bed, and if I wake up, I'll, I'll jot something down. Um, I, so I would say I don't have fixed habits, and, and that's a bit of a drawback because then it's harder to find those slots of time where I can really concentrate and put in a lot of time. Right. Now, I have a little extra question, only because it, it intrigues me what you said that you uh, take out your notebook in a restaurant. Is this when you're with people or <laughs> when you're just on your own and uh, just... More often on my own. Okay. I'll, I'll go out to a cheap restaurant and say I'll have lunch and bring my notebook oh, right. and, okay. and use it to do some writing. But it's not unheard of that I'll have it with me and bring it out in the middle of dinner with my family. That's cool. I like that. Okay, and what's inspiring you at the moment? Well, that's a, a good question, too. I, the, the book that I recently published uh, is, is really part one of a two-part story or, or tale. Uh, and I'm working on part two uh, more in the preliminary thinking it through drafting outlines and and so forth stage and <clears throat> what i've found is 
that this stage of writing has has been happening all during and in the wake of the whole COVID experience. And I don't feel it's possible to ignore that aspect of things. Uh, so I'm, I'm met very focused on how COVID has affected me, has affected my hiking and, and being outside, uh, and affected even the way I feel about writing. Uh, and, and that's a challenge because the the tale I'm telling took place before COVID. I'm, I'm telling a story that that I'm recounting, but um, now it's really being seen through a very different lens. Okay, and what will you be reading to us today? Well, I, I thought I might read the uh, the opening uh, paragraphs of my recent book, the the first part of this two part tale, um, which. Uh, Thankfully, there's been a lot of positive response, and, and a lot of people have uh, got the book and read the book and commented, and, and I've, I've also, um, was on a, I think the library interviewed me about it, and I, I read it at uh, one of the other ReCharts uh, things. So some of this, uh, depending on the listeners, they, people might have heard or read before, but it, I think, uh, is a, still a pretty good summary of what I'm writing about and why it's of such great interest to me. Okay. So it's this, the book, I call it, as you, you said, Retracing Steps, an Exploration of Nature and History on the Massachusetts North Shore. Uh, and I, I will just say that uh, it started out to be mostly just about the, the nature part, about hiking in the woods, and the history part just kind of took over as I was going through it further and thinking more and learning more. And I became completely fascinated with the history of this area where we live, uh, which you can discover simply by walking around, mostly in wooded areas. Uh, so let me read the beginning. In my advancing middle age, I've become an explorer. I've had the great fortune in my life to have traveled around the world for more than three decades, visiting over 80 countries and countless fascinating locales, meeting a diversity of people, learning cultures and histories and customs, encountering a rich abundance of wonderful human and natural experiences. But recently, I've chosen to become an adventurer of a different sort. I've become an explorer, not so much of distant outer lands as of inner spaces, of places that are nearby, yet often hidden, of that which is all around us, yet overlooked, all but lost and forgotten. I explore the past that is present among us, the history buried, or even still on the surface, the foundations and remnants, the fading memories of our collective ancestry, of our roots, my roots. And I do it mainly by walking, retracing, in effect, the footsteps of those who have been here before me. We don't often think about the history right beneath our feet. Time keeps moving so fast, we create new history each day of our lives. The days that were recent when we were young are growing ever more remote. Our parents' not-too-distant past is already our children's foggy olden times. Records from even a few decades back are already becoming dusty recollections of still earlier times. History books written a hundred years ago are themselves now history artifacts. Yet, the closer we look, the more we discover 
that there are so many vestiges of the past that are still very much with us. I mean not only houses with markers revealing their original construction date and owner, or streets that have followed the same route for centuries, or memorial plaques proclaiming the site of some famous event or birthplace. History resides in the land and the trees and the rocks and the water that surround and enclose us. History lives along the straight lines of former railroad tracks turned into bicycle and walking paths, and the winding trails within young forests that have overgrown former farmlands and grazing fields. History is hiding among crumbling stone walls, rusting frames of abandoned machines, half-buried foundations of forgotten buildings, collapsed wooden bridges over still-flowing streams. The past is ever-present, embedded in the ground where we walk. Humankind does not displace the natural environment. We impose ourselves upon nature, but it contains us, not the other way around. Even small parks in the middle of a city are a piece of the underlying natural world. It is the city that is new and temporary. The land is what is permanent. We live always in a snapshot moment of history's imposition on the internal natural landscape. Our civilization will use and reuse the grounds, the waters, the hills and valleys, building our roads and farms and villages, tearing them down, replacing them, abandoning spaces to be reclaimed by the wild, developing areas to provide new habitations and centers of life. The crowded and overbuilt places may seem to have completely eliminated what was there before, but these have only existed scarcely a century or two of the endless millennia. Trees will grow through sidewalks. Vines will climb the sides of buildings. New woods will rise to replace clear-cut forests. Rivers will find ways to flow around and over any barrier. We are transient residents, our vast dwellings and infrastructure no more or less enduring than a beaver dam or beehive. But as we meander forward through time, we do leave behind many signs of our past presence footprints from our travels that future generations may find and follow. This is a story of a two-day hike, a journey that took nearly two years of exploration and planning to prepare, yet which occurred entirely within a radius of not more than five miles from my hometown of Little Swampscott, Massachusetts. It's a tale of discovery or rediscovery and of reconnection with local history as much as with nature. History from centuries ago and from the very recent past, so much of which is obscured right before our eyes. Swampscott, Massachusetts is a tiny little suburb along the Atlantic coast, some 12 miles north of Boston. These days, an upscale enclave of rather densely packed houses up behind a set of glorious beaches. It is surrounded by the city of Lynn to the south and west, the peninsula boating haven of Marblehead to the northeast, the famous former colonial seaport of Salem to the northwest. For many generations, the lands along the North Shore were populated with small villages inhabited by members of the Nomkeg Nation, who gave Swampscott its name. This area was among the earliest to be visited and settled by English colonists shortly after the arrival of the first pilgrims at Plymouth in 1620. Explorers coming up the coast began to establish settlements, and their success attracted more adventurers, leading to the incorporation of Massachusetts Bay Colony, 1628. Over four centuries of English and then American occupation, cultivation, construction, and expansion, this small collection of communities has embodied and reflected the development of the wider United States culture and economy throughout their shared history. From isolated fishing outposts to merchant sailing ports to farms and mills to nascent industrial factories, 
from opulent beachfront resorts and mansions visited by presidents and princes, to subdivided neighborhoods of middle-class houses, to bustling modern business districts, through waves of growth, decline, and renewal, Swampscott and its bigger sisters grew up at the epicenter of the American experience. Likewise, I grew up in Swampscott in the 1960s and 70s, as did both my parents in the 1930s and 40s, and my maternal grandmother in the 1910s and 20s, as well as my own children in the 1990s and 2000s. Having such a genetic connection to the town and the region is surely what prompted me to go out and explore places that have been within reach in my blood, yet somehow overlooked, taken for granted. Thank you. Gosh. Okay. Wait, I have to get this clear. A five-mile radius, a two-hour walk, to, no, no a two-day two two, two walk. Two-day walk, two years in the making yes. or in the process of... <laughs> That's... There's a map. There's a bunch of maps, but this okay. one shows the entire hike. Oh, wow. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but the idea was I wanted to be in or essentially in woods or, or wilderness as much as possible. I only crossed a handful of streets. Otherwise, I was always in some wooded place. And the challenge is there are such places. The challenge is finding trails within them and then finding connections between them and places where there used to be trails and you have to really bushwhack or dig to, to get across. So yeah, I started basically my home, which is near Marblehead, and then the Marblehead Rail Trail, and then across through into Salem and the woods over in Salem, and yeah. then down across uh, Danvers Road or Swampscott Road, and up into what is Swampscott uh, Woods, and then over into areas that are wooded, uh, and eventually into Lynn, and way down along uh, Lynn, ending up at what's called Spring Pond in, in Lynn. It's, it's about 10 miles, oh, the, the entire, entire hike. Wow, and, and anybody can do it? Yeah, uh, there's a, well, there's a couple of places where I broke a few rules, okay. uh, such as us. crossing the railroad track. <laughs> but, but, um, but anybody could and, yeah. and, and could follow it. And I have a lot of photographs oh, yeah. of, oh, of the nice. different... Uh, not only of highlights along the way, but of, of some, you know, historical things mm, such as mm -hmm. what used to be there. Okay. You know, like the lead mills in, in Marblehead and in Salem, which which are now a wilderness area and fields. Right. And um, other maps and old maps and all kinds of things. How exciting. That is so cool. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Okay, so David Townsend is going to be on two panels at the Red Rock Literary Festival on November 6th and 7th. So that's where you can listen to more from him. Remember, you can register for the event at our website, reacharts.org. And thank you so much for listening. Any final words, David? Thank you, everyone. And, and I look forward to hearing from any, uh, both writers and readers. It's been a, a great journey. Wonderful. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Stop by again.